Blessed Lent almost Easter to you, my friends. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I should be exultant or like quiet, you know what I'm saying? Because no, we've, like, we've done this opening like three times because we don't quite know how to address you because we're going to be talking about the readings for Easter, which is the glories, but it's not Easter yet. And none of you will be listening, presumably. Well, I mean, some of you might listen after Easter, but most of you are listening Before. during the Triduum, yeah. which is weird. We're in a weird moment, right? Yeah, this so is, spoiler this, alert. Spoiler uh, alert. He, he rises. rises from the dead. <laughs> I, uh, I just don't even know what to there's say. There's a story I heard, and I can't even remember exactly the context, but it was some family I knew. I don't think they were really strong believers. Maybe they were like nominally Catholic, but like somebody, the mom was talking about Jesus and talking about the Easter story because the family was going to go to Easter Mass. And this kid in the backseat was like, Wait, Jesus died? And she was like, Yeah. And he was like, Oh, man. I love that guy. <laughs> and you got to hear the good news after. <laughs> Dude, anyway. what, a, what a, I mean. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that would be the be, the best in the, the minivan. And then and then mom's <laughs> wait, just like. what? You know, just wait. Just wait. You'll just, just oh, pay attention. And not tell him. Yeah, You're just like. Good. Pay attention. You mean he he died? <laughs> what? I love that guy. Oh, it's not the best. <laughs> well, oh. it's, uh, it's uh, just about to be Easter day. Maybe it's I probably Saturday. Day. Good Friday. Thursday. I, I'm just going to say, don't listen to this on Good Friday. Why? Because we're just talking enter about the into the glories. passion. Yeah, just enter yeah. into the passion. Can I say a word um, as, a, as a sort of teaching thing about the Triduum that I didn't... I loved this. This is my favorite. I don't know when you're listening to this. When I first discovered this, and this is one of those things that I, th- I, I think it's safe to say most Catholics don't realize this. Even those of us who are heavily participant in the... Um, triduum services and stuff, right? Okay. Technically speaking, and you know this, <clears throat> technically speaking, so we talked last week on Palm Sunday, right? Palm Sunday is, in a certain sense, the overture for all of Holy Week, right? right so we right. get all of the pieces that are going to be drawn out then during Holy Week. And so um, today that we're recording it, it's Holy Thursday, so we have the Mass of the Last, uh, the Lord's the Lord's Supper tonight and the washing of the feet and all that stuff. And then tomorrow... There's the uh, the veneration of the cross and these things, and then we culminate with the Easter vigil on Saturday night, and then, of course, the Easter Sunday. But technically speaking, in the church, there's a Mass that begins on Thursday evening with the Mass of the Lord's Supper, and that Mass does not end until the Easter vigil, until the end of the Easter vigil at around midnight on Saturday. It is one gigantic Mass because there's no closing prayers of Holy Thursday, there's no opening prayers on Good Friday. There's no closing prayers. There's no words of consecration. And technically, there's no op- introductory rites on the Easter Vigil Mass either because it's one long liturgical chunk, which when I first learned that, I was like, holy cow, what? It's one gigantic Mass, which it's this. So you talk about entering into that. When I yeah. first saw that, and I, I strive every year, you know, there's a million things going on in all of our lives, but to realize that. The whole of what we call the Triduum, so from Thursday when Jesus gives us himself in the Eucharist, through the Passion, through the burial, through his day in the grave, it's one movement that is completely connected, completely filled with integrity, and all culminating toward Easter. But So when we enter into that moment, that moment starts today. That moment starts Thursday, and it reaches all the way through Saturday night, all the way into Sunday. Mm. But I just find it utterly fascinating, kind of on a liturgical level. Because Holy Friday, or I'm sorry, Good Friday, the Mass on Good Friday is not actually Mass. 
It's, a it's just a service. communion service because with the veneration of the cross, with the veneration of the cross, and a re- in some readings and, and a homily, but it's not properly speaking mass because we enter into that moment that Jesus has been arrested. He's been taken away from us, and so I, I remember when I was uh, in college, I read my first serious theology book, which was Introduction to Christianity by Ratzinger, who would later become Pope Benedict. Who my dad used to teach us out of uh, the Ratzinger Report and the Introduction Ratzinger to Report. Yeah, Introduction to Christianity, Christianity, man. When I was like the most misleading school. title. Yeah, of a book. Yeah, it's not an introduction. <laughs> no, but he goes through every article of the creed. And I remember as a sophomore in college when I was first kind of rediscovering my faith, reading his section on Holy Saturday. And he gave this challenge of like, go into a church on Holy Saturday and just sit there for a while and realize that the tabernacle is empty. The door is swung open. There's no vigil light. Something or someone who was here is now gone. And you feel that emptiness every time. And I I didn't know that growing up. I didn't realize that that was what we did. And so I remember going and sitting in a church. I'm like, holy cow, it is empty. Like there is this profound feeling of loneliness, which is the experience of Holy Saturday, this day that Jesus is gone. He is in the grave and he's taken on that, that, that primordial human experience of aloneness. He's taken away. And so, yeah, this, this whole idea of entering into the Triduum, the whole of it, whether you can go to the services or not, there's so many ways to enter in and be a part of that. Right. So anyway, that's my 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 introduction to Christianity. <laughs> introduction to Christianity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, Which feels necessary because, again, I know we're talking about Easter Sunday. Right. But it's, and, and it's we know it and we live it, but we're still on I the other side of it. I will not taste the fruit of the vine until I enter into my glory. Until I and like new in my kingdom, yeah. Yeah, and which is we don't actually have the the um the chalice on Good Friday, by the way. Is that true? I yeah. don't think I ever noticed that. Yeah, yeah. We we just the the it's, spe- the, the it's it's Holy Thursday. The body. Yeah, and then and then we then we then oh, we celebrate the vigil as soon as well, we because can. Because you can't reserve the the cup. Nope. I mean, it's only yeah because it's a communion service. It's only what we have. Right. So wow. So I will not drink I've the never fruit ne- of the vine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you oh, go. Oh, look at that connection. Connections all over the place. All over the place. Our first reading is from Acts chapter 10, verses 34a, jumping to 37 <laughs> to 43. Yeah, Peter's speech. Our responsorial psalm is Psalm 118, verses 1 through 2, 16 through 17, and 22 through 23. And the 24 is the responsible. That's, oh, what? Oh, yeah, it is. So it is. So it is. So it shall be. Now, this is the this is the hard thing is that you, uh, my friends, have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you can choose well, between uh, you. My priests have a choice. Yes, the people you don't the, have a the choice. people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you take what you, you take what you're given. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> fathers, uh, you have a choice here. <laughs> Colossians three one through four, or First okay. Corinthians five six b through eight. All right, um, and we'll surprise you on which one and we then, choose to talk about. And then you have a sequence. Sequence. Where does the sequence actually come from? It's a poem. Okay. okay. It's a somebody wrote the poem. Do we know who though? In the the century that was previous to ours, it was oh, yeah. many centuries ago. There was a poem that was written by somebody, <laughs> dude. The, like anybody who I didn't mean to knows, put you on the spot. I anybody who know. knows their liturgy is like I just. I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. I'm, I put you on the spot. I shouldn't have done that to you. No, no, no. You, like because um, I have no idea. Oh, I man. know the Bible. Victor Kring. Victor Kring. Victor Kring. Peter Kring. <laughs> no, no. Victor it's like Victor King. Have mercy, Victor King. So we're just gonna say Victor Kring wrote it. <laughs> I just got. I just got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. That's, All right. And then our gospel. The gospel is John chapter twenty, verses one through nine. 
You okay. you really are a biblical scholar because you pronounce the gospel in, in German. A, in German. Yeah, no, I got a little is, German out there. Which is oh, it's it's we were talking paparazzi, dude. We're talking paparazzi. Pa- oh, yeah. paparazzi. Paparazzi. Wasn't it just from... his birthday last week? Or yeah, recently? and he wrote a letter. He... So Excellent. I kid you not. And the Bible study I lead with the focus team, they were asking, because we were talking about inertia and Christianity, because it's been on my mind lately. For yeah. Lent. It's my Lenten thing. Yeah, yeah. And man, and, and, and when you pulled out that for, for Palm Sunday with, oh, yeah, the, yeah, with the prophecy of Plato, so man, just cool. lit me up. I had a screaming baby in my face, but I was peripherally heard you mention it at Mass on Sunday. I thought I heard Plato and Ratzinger in between screams in my ear. <laughs> this is why we do the podcast. Yeah, this <laughs> way, literally, Scott is, you're living this in an oh, existential way. I am. No, this is very meta for me. Yeah. Um, but, oh, but but somebody was asking, they're like, hey, has, has Pope Benedict written really anything recently? And I'm like, not really. You know, we don't, and literally hours later, <laughs> he wrote a letter. I was like, what? Prophecy. Like he heard, like he heard the, the Bible. The cry story. of the poor. <laughs> yes. Okay. So here's what happens. Um, Acts chapter 10. Um, Acts chapter 10 is this. This is, this is, it's an important, it, I'm trying to think of how to enter for Easter into Sunday, this. For Easter Sunday, I really encourage you, you use your Axe Brody spray. Okay, here we because go. Because then you go. can, like. And before you go to CrossFit. <laughs> before you go with to With Chad. <laughs> Come on, Chad. Let's get our Axe body spray and go to CrossFit. <laughs> I'm sorry for all of you Chads out there and all of you people that love CrossFit. I have no problem with and CrossFit. And he's just... especially sorry for offending anybody who's Chad and loves CrossFit and leads uh, with their friend. Yes, but if you wear Axe body spray, I'm not sorry. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Acts chapter 10. This is the turning point in the New Testament. What? That's a crazy thing to say, Scott. <laughs> I don't mean... <laughs> Dude, is that what I sound like to no, you? Is, no. that, is, that my, is that my voice? That's you. That was you. Oh. Um, I, and I, 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 I say that with a bit of a caveat. I mean, obviously, the turning point of all of human history is the incarnation and then, of course, the passion, the resurrection and the ascension, which we almost take for granted here because we're talking on Easter Sunday. Right. But in the movement of the New Testament, in the movement of the gospel proceeding to the ends of the earth, this is a turning point moment because, you know, we know the beginnings of Christianity— and the beginning of Christianity wasn't considered its own religion or anything. It was simply a sect of Judaism that was these particular Jews who believed that the Messiah had come. And there were other Jews who didn't believe that. And there was infighting about all this stuff. And eventually Christianity would, would grow and they would sort of sever ties with Judaism and, and, and history proceeds. But in the first chapters of Acts, at least the first nine chapters of Acts, the, 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 um, procla- the proclamation of the gospel is happening in Jerusalem and Judea. It's happening to the Jews. It is happening before the Sanhedrin. It is trying to get the people of God to understand that their Messiah has come. And then you get to chapters 9, 10, and 11, and something fundamental shifts. And this is that moment where Peter is up in Joppa. Remember, he's in this place because he's been called Pigs up there. Pigs in a blanket. Pigs in a blanket vision, right? He's been called up to heal the, to raise Dorcas from the dead. <laughs> that really is her name. I know. It's just a, Tabitha, also called Gazelle, also called Dorcas. <laughs> Dorcas. <laughs> Which is it's like, dude, I I want to meet a Dorcas. I know. Somebody needs to name their daughter Dorcas. Anyway, he's up there. Um, he has this vision of all these uh, previously unclean foods and animals. He's told by God to rise and eat. 
He says, no, I've never eaten anything unclean. God says, no, I have cleansed these things that in the old covenant were considered unclean. They're not unclean anymore. And then simultaneously, this guy comes, these these messengers Cornelius. from a guy named Cornelius up in Caesarea come and say, hey, our, our, our leader, our boss had a dream about you and you need to come with us. So he goes up to Caesarea to this group of Gentiles, non-Jews. And they're, they're fearing God and they're hearing about all these things. And all of a sudden, they experience Pentecost. The Holy Spirit descends upon this random group of Gentiles, non-Jews, pagans with a centurion. And they experience the, 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 the pouring out, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just like the apostles experienced on Pentecost. And Peter was like, holy cow, what just happened? You want to what now? And there's this experience that, holy cow, maybe... The gospel is, when Jesus said, go out to the ends of the earth, he didn't just mean go and find the farthest synagogues you can find, but he meant go to everyone. And they started to put the pieces together of the whole gospel experience of how Jesus is going to all these outsiders. And and basically, Peter comes to the conclusion, look, if God is working outside of the Jewish community, then who are we to argue? We got to catch up to where God is. And so where we step into it here is when Peter steps up and he's like, okay, you guys have just received the Holy Spirit. So let, let me let tell, tell you, you what your that story. is. Exactly. Let me tell you. Yeah, you worded that perfectly. Let me tell you your story. It's not saying, hey, let me tell you the story about Jesus. Let me give you an insight into the charisma. Let me tell you the story that you are now a part of. And Peter is in a lot of ways embodying what the church is, which is the job of the church, the job of the magisterium is to see where God is at work and conform ourselves. That is what the church does. And Peter says, okay, God is at work here. He's poured the Holy Spirit out on these guys. Let me back up. Let me tell you your story. Let me let you into this. And so he gives the the narrative in short form of who Jesus is, what he did, how he saved us, how he died on a cross, how he was risen again. He's basically recapping Easter. Okay, you guys need to enter back into Easter now. Actually, what he's doing is he's recapping our Easter vigil readings. I mean, like... We, <laughs> he kind of is, actually. I mean, we, we could do all of the vigil readings, and, and um, the vigil readings are the same every year, by the way. So um, if you are trying to prepare for the vigil, um, if you're a priest or... Yeah. or, or uh, just a person with a person, screaming baby. Yeah, then... You can go back and, and check out any of one of our Easter Vigil yeah. um, uh, uh, podcasts and you will get the content that we would have said today. And our humor from a couple of years ago. <laughs> Which is Which only stale. grows finer with time, uh, like, like cheese. Like cheese, like brie. <laughs> like brie. But, but I think that it's actually, uh, the church understands in a really radical way, in a powerful way, um, that... We, even if we have been to the vigil, we hmm. still need us. We still need to remember that this is the culmination of everything. Yes. Like, like, and when you say everything, you mean everything. I'm. I'm. When um, <laughs> there's a there's a moment <laughs> in the professional, the movie, and the, what? Uh, the professional, the professional, um, Leon or Leo. Uh, it's like a. Whatever. So he DiCaprio? No, um, uh, no, the <laughs> character's name. Oh. Uh, he's a uh, um, he's this assassin, and he's like protecting this little girl, and then but then there's this insane policeman, and he says, um, "We got to find this guy." And he turns to his deputy, and he's he's like, "Bring me everyone." And he's like, "What do you mean by everyone?" And he says, "Everyone." And he yells, and I'll <laughs> never it, I'll man. never forget that. But but this is the this is literally the capstone by which. It's the 
interpretive key by which we can enter into the story. That's why at the vigil, when everybody's about to be baptized, Mm. we go through the fullness of the story. We talk about how there's the revelation through nature, how how, um, our first parents in faith, how the prophets perceived him, Mm. how he, um, how Jesus... All the way from Adam, through Abraham, to Moses, to the prophets, to all of creation, all, all, everything. To the turning point of Baruch and understanding how we've, everything's gotten so bad to the point to yeah. uh, Acts of the Apostles, mm. to to the reality of this gospel reality. Go- can I say reality? Just a couple more times. Say um, it. Reality. <laughs> to the truth of what it means to be in salvation history now. And so so the church gives us this wisely just to say, we're going to summarize it. Because you can convey absolutely everything in sentences. You don't need a lot of time. He says, this is, it, it, this. you literally could say this. It's a gospel presentation, it is. as they would say. Um, uh, does he say, I, I'm thinking, yeah, no, this is important. The, the way that the kerygma is, kerygma, it's the, it's a, the term that we use for the, the content of the teaching of the apostles, right? Kerygma. The kerygma, the kerygma that he uses, there's something very Jewish about it. And we're about to celebrate, our Jewish friends are about to celebrate the Passover on Friday, which obviously coincides with our Easter celebration and such. But, but when the Jewish people celebrate the Passover and it is the case today, and it was the case when Jesus's time. When the Passover story is told, when, when the, uh, the family retells the story of the time in Egypt and the story of the Exodus, it is always told in the second person plural, right? When we were in Egypt, it's not, hey, when our ancestors, when those people way back then were in Egypt, they all dealt with these things. It's always brought into the present, represented, right? It's brought into the second person, sing, uh, plural, first person, plural, we, Right? Am I saying that right? I don't know grammar. Whatever. But that's what Paul is doing. I'm sorry. That's what Peter is doing here. We were witnesses of all that he did. We experienced this. This, this is your story. That's, this is what partially what the church is trying to do in the Easter vigil as we enter into this very, very long mass with all of these readings that we're saturated in because we're meant to live it out in a certain sense. We are reliving it. We're not just recalling it or rethinking about it, but they are being made re-present to us because this is our story. We enter into it, all of it, everything. And so when Peter gives this teaching, this sermon to these Gentiles, it is a we. It's not, hey, this is what Jesus did. This is what we have now experienced because they are now an Easter people. This is not on Easter. This, no. this story that we're being told in Acts, it's not Easter, but Peter has to bring them back to Easter because without Easter, Everything is meaningless. If you don't live out of the experience of Easter, none of this matters, right? That's why he's got to go back to that moment. Right. And I think that's why the church draws us back to this moment today which and is, every day. Which leads us into, like, <laughs> the, this is the yeah. day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. I this mean, is the day the Lord has made. You know, um, that, you know. I think that they wrote this. Um, I think they included this for the priests because they just have done the vigil, and so they're super exhausted. This is the day. And, and so, so it's a little reminder. This is the day the Lord has made, and the priest is like, "That's right. I got to be present." You guys are also loopy on Easter Sunday morning, probably, right? Loop, loop, de loop, loop, de loop. Um, loop. I was going to say more about your being loopy and tired. I'll, I'll leave it to be. Um, Psalm 118, what's what's kind of cool about Psalm 118, kind of where this fits in context, Psalm 118 is understood to be a psalm of victory over the defeat of one's enemies. 
Which is really significant then that that shows up on Easter Sunday, right? Yes. This is what you would sing after military victories. This is what they, there's a tradition that David wrote this after he had defeated all of Israel's enemies and there was peace in the kingdom. We've beat everyone and now we're fine. It's it's believed that this was um, what Israel would pray when she remembered the victory uh, after having been freed from Egypt in the Exodus. It's believed that this is what was prayed when they were freed from the Babylonian captivity, when they rededicated the temple. This is always in the Old Testament showing up in the context of freedom from our enemies. We are free. They have been defeated. This is the day that the Lord has made. And now we are free in it, mm. which is so beautiful. If you know, I mean, it's a beautiful Psalm on its own, but if you realize the historical context to it, it takes on a whole nother level because who is the enemy? The enemy is never who Israel thinks it is. It's never the the political power or the bad guy or whatever it is. It's always the evil. It's death itself. And what has been defeated on Easter is death itself. You know, I, I was thinking about, like, we, we do the Lamentations of Jeremiah, so we do a Tenebrae service, th- Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. I can only hear Tenebrae. I know. When I, which I, I somehow, for some reason, I just have a deep love. I know. I love to sing Tenebrae. Me too. I say that to all. It's Ty Gilbert. Man. I know. It's like, what's up? But but I, I was just thinking about like, what does it mean to have an enemy and how ruinous is an mm. enemy? Because the Lamentations of Jeremiah are, the, uh, are, are in the first chapter of Jeremiah. And it's just lamenting over like... He had a hard life. A, a hard life and Israel is, is struggling and Jerusalem is struggling and... And, and, and I, he had the terrible job of telling them that. Yeah. In a time when nobody believed that that was real. Everything is fine. This is great. Everything's super. No, it's not. No. I mean, this is where his lament comes from. He's like, can you guys not see? Right. No. How how devastated everything is. And and so, like, I think about, like, the, this, the enemy being vanquished. It's, it's, it's real how hard and desolate and the yeah. fights that we're in mm-hmm. and that we're experiencing within our lives and how all consuming and, and how difficult and culture is. And I was watching mm. a lecturer getting shouted down at a mm. university and I was just watching like, like there's just this increasing um, foment of, of difficulty. But to, but the thing is that we remember that it's sin and death that are, that are, are the true yes. enemy and, and not the people. And like, right. And this is like one of those things that is so hard to remember for us yes. and to, to refocus and to get peaceful and to actually go back to the Lord and to be with him as he is uh, like, because if, if, if anybody could claim it, it's Jesus, it's his brothers and sisters are racking him and beating him and torturing him. The ones that he's his trying to save. His brothers and sisters and also his children. Right. Simultaneously, which right. that's weird now that I say it, but theologically it works. Right. Which, the painfulness of your own children doing this to you. Yeah. It's one thing if a stranger does it, right? It's one thing to have a stranger not shout you down. Right. But but that's but that's why we remember yeah. on Easter that that actually, no, it's defeated that we can actually relax. Like I, I have lots of anxieties in life and these things and that there's there's like Mm. this part where to say, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to remember that the Lord, today we rejoice and we are glad because the Lord has made all. We've remembered that he created creation. He made salvation history. He knows every circumstance of our whole lives and that we can actually, on this Sunday morning, say, yeah. Yeah. 
I was laughing at Syracumstance. Syracumstance. <laughs> I was a little Irish. Um, <laughs> Dude, uh, th- somebody else has said something. Oh, my at son. The, at the Tenebrary. Well, your son oh, called Tenebrary. me out. Your it, son totally called you out. <laughs> he's a, he says, you say lard. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, was, I don't mean to, but in the mass, I say the lard be with the you. The lard be with you. It's way more fun to say it in Irish. Um, one image that just I, I can't and at the risk of overdoing this because there's been so much talk and it's almost over overdone but you know Notre Dame Cathedral burned down burned earlier this week oh and I'm and I'm and there, there's a heartbreak of that and I mean there's the the at nauseum comparisons and metaphors and everything else which yes those are all useful but I, I'm, I'm kind of just getting I have not looked at much of, of the news. Of I, I have not. Li- I mean, like I saw the news and um, I haven't heard a bunch of commentary. Just people's about it. hot takes on this. Anyway, anyway, all that aside, <laughs> just I'm, I'm looking at this last sort of strophe of the psalm. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord, this has been done. And with what you were saying, um, I don't remember what you said that evoked it just now in me. But thinking of these images that I saw of, of Notre Dame burning, which is this symbol of the Christian faith in the Western world. I mean, there's so many, yes. uh, such an icon. But then, and, you know, all of us sort of watching this all through Monday and watch, you know, you texted me about it in the morning and I, I almost thought it was a joke. I was like, what, what do you mean? I, Notre- said, I said, Notre Dame is burning that down. That was and, it, and, period. And, Nothing and, else. I was and, like, what is and that then he, said, he says, is that like London Bridge? Question mark? And then I felt terrible for making a joke because I didn't realize this was actually a thing. Like this was real. <laughs> Oh. And I was like, is it? I, yeah, anyway, I thought you were making com- commentary on the university or something. <laughs> anyway, but we watched this all. I mean, it just looked horrifying and devastating and, and cataclysmic. But then the next day, we started to see the image that it held. The church held. The, yes, the roof burned. Yes, things collapsed. Yes, there was a lot of damage. Ruination. But the vault, the structure, the the building, the stone held. And I'm just thinking about this psalm in the context of all of Israel's many victories over their enemies. When, yeah, once you experience the end of war, once you experience the victory, you're also pretty beat up. But it holds. Israel always holds. The church is beat up in so many ways, at the risk of adding another mm. metaphor into the into the mix. The church is getting beat up nowadays. And a lot of it is our own doing. And there's a lot of fires. And there's Which a is lot very of, much lamentations, absolutely. by the way. But the church holds. We will stand. I mean, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's going to be messy, and it's going to be beat up, and there's some rafters that will surely collapse, but it will hold because that's the promise that Jesus gave us. And so this stone that the builders rejected, it's the cornerstone. That's why it holds. If Jesus is the foundation of the church, the church will hold, despite the fact that we are going to get beat up by all of the made-up and very real enemies that attack the church from within and from without. But it holds because it's Christ's. I don't know. I'm just thinking of that image of it mm. held. It holds. It will hold. Yeah. I, I, I just, it's like the wonders of the passion mm. being v- renewed in front of our face. Mm. Yeah. And and how, like, like, like uh, somebody sent me a, a news clip where somebody was, the, the people were praying, um, the, yeah. praying, uh, the singing in uh, Marian Helm and uh, hymns and, and the, they, they were actually rallying around Our Lady and Absolutely. Our Lord. And like, the, which just proves the faith is not dead. No. You know, there's this narrative that the faith is dead in Europe and, and it's struggling. But that was a great icon of, no, look. There's life. There's always life. Right. This is at the center. And mm-hmm. we, and we and this is actually kind of what the Triduum always does, yes. is it brings us back to the center of reality. Right. And puts us back in the center of reality. Right. Because we're not outsiders. We're not peripheral to this. No. 
No. No, yeah, and, and so the resurrection is ours. And I sure hope Lent ends at Easter is all <laughs> I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Well, we'll see. Yeah, like, um, I, sometimes I just feel like like the never-ending Lent is... Um, upon us. Yeah, and like, and that's where I'm just like, I have this like beautiful thing that I'm like, oh, I want freedom and life. What, what did I just even say? Sometimes I just say <laughs> words. I, this You're hoping that Lent does actually end. Yeah, okay. And we're not just, it's not like Groundhog Day on I'm gonna, Saturday. I'm going to go with Corinthians. I'm going to go with Colossians. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay, go okay, you go with Colossians. Okay, I, I, I can say something very fast. Okay, I'll say something about Corinthians. The, 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 the context of Paul's letter to the Colossians is a community that's dealing with what is sort of a proto-Gnosticism. Gnosticism is this movement that sort of began to flourish in Paul's time and would grow uh, there on out, which Basically, we talked about a salva- lot. salvation is through knowledge. Salvation is through knowledge, but one of the byproducts of it is that material things are bad, spiritual things are good. So the greatest spiritual good is transcending all of this material stuff. Our bodies are bad, you know, all of this stuff. And so one of the heresies that comes out of this is this concept, and this is what the Colossians are dealing with. Okay. Jesus could not have actually been crucified, right? I mean, he's God. God can't die. God can't suffer because God is God. Therefore, whatever happened during Holy Week, he just appeared to suffer. It's where you get the the heresy of docetism. Doceo is the Greek word to mean to appear. He just looked like he suffered. But God can't actually suffer. He's not really bodily in that sense. He just kind of did this as an example to inspire us, blah, blah, blah. It reminds me of when I first got to Boulder. Um, Uh I I was on the Pearl Street Mall, and there was a guy with a sitar, and it was like, you know, it's kind of no and, it is kind and, of and he and he just kept thinking i am not my body my body is not me and like literally it was like it was like one of those moments where i was like oh like like really we still in this strange way actually are living out of that in a more intense way culturally than we ever have before because it is profoundly compelling because we suffer so like you just joked about let is so long and we use that as a metaphor for so many things. I mean, there's so much suffering. There's so much pain. There's so much fear and the attractiveness of just transcending all of this and just being done with it. There's such a temptation and the, the idea of nirvana or transcendence because the material world is hard and my body is tired every day I wake up. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, oh, you can see how this thinking would develop. Well, yeah, I, I, as I, I was writing a poem as I forgot my key to go get a thing from the student center at 4 a.m. as I was preparing for the thing. I was just like, it was oh, just I thought like that suffering. was the poem. No, no. Okay. And I just was like, forgot if, my if, key, went to get the thing. Yeah. It was like, uh, and and I, it was just like, I needed to be able to do it in a certain amount of time. And I was yeah. suffering. And I was like, if it's mm. not this, then it's that. And I was like, welcome to the Veils of Tears. That's and it. then I just kind of started going through the comparisons. Mm. If it's not if it's not one thing, it's another thing. Right. Right. If it's not him, it's her. If right. it's not me, it's them. If it's a, like, it's, right. it, it's all the Veil of Tears. Right. There's just a tremendous amount of suffering. And... And we, we know it and we go through it and how we respect. And so we say, could God really, the pure one, the one that created all of this, actually enter into this stuff? Right. And that's Paul's whole movement throughout all of Colossians is stressing the materiality of Jesus. He really had a body. 
It was like ours. It really suffered. It really bled. It was really buried. And it really rose again. And if that's true and it was the same flesh as ours, then there's hope for us that we are a part of not just an escapist religion where someday we can just get out of all this, but that all of creation, because if Jesus is the firstborn of creation and the firstborn of the new creation, then all of creation is in the process of being transformed. It's not something to be transcended. It's something that is being recreated, which is so Paul is now giving a different kind of take on Easter Sunday. As Peter told the people up in uh, Caesarea, you are a part of the story. This is our story. This is your narrative. Now, Paul's doing something different and saying, Yeah, and it's physically you as well, because even your body, you are a part of this narrative and to such a degree that even your body itself, with all of its brokenness and tiredness and everything else, it is also being recreated and transformed by the one who defeated death. And so he's he's making this as as material as possible. And he says, don't focus on it. Don't stress on the pain and the brokenness. Stress on what is above, because what is above is transforming what is below. In a certain sense. Does that make any sense? Is that too abstract? No, it's not too abstract. Okay, cool. So that's all I have to say about Colossians. But I think it's, it fits neatly within the narrative of Easter. Think of what is above and not of what is on earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ your life appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. But that line is not to be mistaken of thinking, okay, what is on earth doesn't matter anymore. It's sacramental. Yes. Not docetist. Exactly right. He's not saying, oh, it doesn't matter. Don't think about what's on earth. No, no, no. It, it needs to be taken within the context of everything he's saying. Right. So, yeah. And, and, the, and the, 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 what you go through in the body on this earth, it is hidden with Christ and God. Absolutely right. And, and, and in a certain sense, that's why we go and we honor Christ in his, in his passion. That's why be- we have to keep, it's why Catholics keep the, the corpus on the cross, on the crucifix. Right. Because it matters what happened on Friday to get us to Sunday. Yep. You know, I am. Um, I, I, I'm just going to have a little brief reflection upon yeast. Okay, <laughs> yeast it up, baby. Because for for Corinthians, now you can choose between <laughs> Colossians and Corinthians. You can. Is that yeast is everywhere? Yeast is all over the place, and like, I um, I I uh, all you have to do is you have to get some sugar in uh in uh some water you can use some coca-cola and you just let it sit there long enough and yeast will gather and start to eat it i I use that to help us to understand that there is a metaphor of what's going on if you look around within your communities there's a lot of things that can give you a rise (laughs) Ah, i see you You know what i'm saying like like there's there's a lot of things that that um that Mm -hmm. we live in in a university community and like you you get a bunch of people together and how how toxic have university communities um as a collective universally Mm -hmm. no pun intended um or I guess pun intended. A little bit. That that the, 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 there's a lot of experience of some viciousness within the culture, mm. and that a little bit of leaven can, um, a little bit of yeast can rise the whole loaf. The whole loaf. And it takes y- y- the system. But then what what we reflect upon on, su- on on Easter Sunday is that you can clear out the old leaven. That you can actually become fresh dough. That you can actually let go of those things that are that you um, this the viciousness that that is seeming to give you life, mm. and um, 
and that you, you yeah. can, now you can have become unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. There's something mm. really powerful. I think that that's why we actually use that metaphor remains, especially in Roman Catholicism. Absolutely, is that we use unleavened bread because we're saying no, we want sincerity. There's there's nothing to mask or to transform what's being received. We give it in a fairly unadulterated, sincere and truthful Absolutely. way. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. And then there's a sequence, which I'm not going to talk about because mm. I don't really know what to talk about it with. Yeah. It's, it's a nice poem. It's beautiful. Written by uh, Victor King. Victor King. <laughs> <laughs> Victor Kring. 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 Yeah, yeah, just with the R. You Victor know. Kring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that takes us to John. John the end of John's 20. Gospel. On the first day of the week. What is which, the first day of the week? Which we actually have to be um, very attentive that the Triduum I celebration, will. wisdom, be attentive. Mm, mm. I will. Um, uh, we go through John in his passion. So John is really always the center of what we're doing in our passion. Wait, say that one more time. In Thursday and Friday. Yeah, in Thursday oh, okay. and Friday. Gotcha. Sorry, gotcha. sorry. Yeah, for um, so for is, this for C for your C. No, we're in your uh, B. Always, always, always. We're thank always you. going through John. Oh, thank you. That's good. Too. So John is just the center of how we I celebrate the Triduum because the amount of detail go, that he John, goes go. through, um, with the with. with Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and and well, that's appropriate too because Saturday. on Palm Sunday we never read from John, I believe. And no, this year we read from Luke, and so then as we go deeper into it, so again, if 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 Palm Sunday is sort of the overture, Luke gives sort of the overture story, but John almost takes for granted that you know that story, and now he's going to take you deeper into it, which is what Holy Week does for those of us who've experienced Palm Sunday. Now we're going to go deeper into it. So that, that that's right, that the church does it that right. way. Uh, so on the first day of the week, what's the first day of the week? Saturday. No, it's not. Come on, man. Friday. The first day of the week? Why Sunday. are we doing this? Why are we playing this game? <laughs> don't don't mess with me. But he begins on the first day of the week, and that's significant. I, I, well, I was like, I was like, I'm not. It's I, not a trick question. I thought he was trying. You thought you were trying to trick me. No, I'm not trying to trick. I'm you. trying to talk to the people in the audience here. I said I thought he was trying to trick me, and then hey, everybody, hey, everybody, <laughs> talk to me. Focus on me. Focus on me. Yeah. Um, on the first day of the week, yeah, Sunday Look is the first day of the week. <laughs> Sunday is the first day of the week, and in the Jewish conception. The first day of the week always, the reference point for sort of the symbolism and the imagery of it always comes from the creation story. And in the creation story, what does God do on the first day? He creates something from nothing. Yeah, but specifically on that day, what, is it, what does Genesis tell us he does? The light from darkness. Okay, right? I had that, but I, but I, but man, I, I feel like I lost the last question. So I'm, sorry, I, was, I don't <laughs> oh, take tests. It. I don't take tests. I know well, test taking okay? is hard. I try not to do this anymore. Um, the first day, we, but it's significant for John though that he point. I mean, it, it's not just simply a chronological reference point. It is, but it's also meant to evoke something. The first day of the week is the day that God creates light from dark. It's the day that He begins creation, and so this now is the day of the new creation and the day in which light is victorious over dark. So there's a lot that he's evoking in just saying the first day of the week. So Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early in the morning. It was still dark. She saw the stone rolled away from the tomb. So she went and went, ran and went to Simon. She ran, ran, and, ran and went to Simon Peter. That's a hard sentence to read. Ran and went. Ran and went to ran Simon and, Peter. Ran and went. On the other gospels, it actually says that there are other women with Mary Magdalene. I don't think they're in conflict with each other. I think John just highlights her. John 19 would be um, uh, Mary, the wife of Clopas. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of the gospel of Mark. It says it's Mary Magdalene, it's Mary, the mother of James and Salome. 
were there. So there was, there's a number of women. Mm. And I'll, I'll tell you what my reflection, I, I don't, there's so many things we could say. It's not that long of a passage and there's so many things we could say, but I'll tell you what my reflection has been this past week. And I was reading, and I, I don't mean to <laughs> shortchange John, but John gives us it. But I've been reflecting on the way Mark tells this part of the story. Mm-hmm. And in Mark's gospel, it says that the women were going to the tomb. It, it's funny. You kind of jump straight from Friday to Sunday. There's not much that the Bible tells us about Saturday when Jesus enters into the dead and this sort of this nothingness. We talked at the beginning of the podcast about this experience of sort of emptiness and sitting at the in, in a church without the, without the Eucharist there. So the first thing on Sunday, they're trying to hurry up and do all the things they couldn't do on Friday. Because remember, they needed Jesus basically to die before the uh, Sabbath began so that they could take his body down and anoint him. But it was late, and so they're kind of rushing before the Sabbath starts to do all this work that they need to do and anoint the body and everything else. And it's rushed, and he's put in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And, you know, so it's not coincidental that on early Sunday morning, as early as possible, they're coming to the tomb. They're like, all right, let's finish. We need to anoint him because we rushed it so much on Friday because it was getting late and we're trying to respect the Sabbath and all these other things. So they're coming as early as they could possibly come to finish what they set out to do, which we also know was unnecessary because earlier the woman who poured the alabaster jar of ointment over Jesus's head, Jesus says, no, she already did anoint me. So he's pre-anointed for his burial, which is kind of beautiful. Yeah. But in, in Mark, it tells us that these women are going to the tomb and there's this line that, that just resonates so deeply with me. They're saying to themselves, who will roll away the stone for us, right? Right. And I was thinking about that, and I've, I've heard it a million times, but I've never reflected on it, that these women are walking to the tomb, knowing that Jesus is buried and a gigantic boulder is in front of it that is probably being guarded by the Romans because people are freaked out that they might steal the body and try to make a case that he's risen or something. And they're walking to the tomb with their oils and the, their spices and the things they're going to anoint the body before dawn and they're saying hey who's going to roll away the giant boulder for us and they're we don't know but what do they do they go anyway there's a presumption that there is a monumental obstacle to what we know we need to do but we're going to go anyway without any idea how that is going to be dealt with Hmm. but we trust that it's going to be dealt with somehow I mean, most of us, you know, there's a giant boulder. Well, why even bother? Why would we go? There's nothing we can, I can't move that by myself. But they go anyway, knowing that there's a huge, massive obstacle. And with this, some sort of unspoken trust that I'm sure God will find a way to deal with the gigantic, massive boulder that we can't move. So let's go and we'll figure it out or God will figure it out. But either way, we're doing it. And there's something that has been, it's been sitting with me all, maybe the last two weeks just reflecting on that almost foolishness in the eyes of the world, right? They're going anyway. Despite the gigantic, massive obstacle that they can't move, they're going anyway. And they have no idea what's going to be waiting for them on the other side. They have no idea how they're going to deal with this obstacle, but we will still go. Well, I mean, it's not even just that, but you have Roman soldiers that are standing there. Presumably. I mean, yeah. so, you, so you got, you've got guards, you've got, oh, yeah. you, you've got a stone. I mean, there, there are And we're so going many... anyway. And we're just going to go anyway. I love that. It's just been very, the, the faith of the women in that particular moment has really struck me. I think about that. And, and that would, that's really significant. I mean, goodness. Yes, yeah, Scott, I can hear um, the kind of 
the that in your life mm. you know like we, we, that's the nice part about when you have friends is that you can actually grasp what they mean when they say something and mm. i'm really hearing what you're saying like like the the insurmountable things that are in front of us are uh, they're intimidating and and i'm actually like as you reflect upon that i like i feel like i'm forced to into some of those things in my life right now of these things where i just don't know how to respond i, I like i feel mm. ill prepared and ill equipped to be able to go through them right and and so then um how easy it is to kind of rely upon our own strengths in the midst of that right um which is which is kind of cool where john actually recognizes that he he he's strong he's stronger than peter he peter's old he man ma- he makes it clear right and he that he made it first he made it first and he but but he actually had to check himself before you wreck yourself check yourself before you wreck yourself he had to check himself to actually be able to be submitted to, to peter mm. um because that's true yeah that's true because he gets it which is really think about that in friendship mm. i mean that's like the here's the beloved so you're disciple saying i need to let you go first yeah more please yeah. wait no john goes first that's what you just said john still wins i can still beat you <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. I'm so, taking us far afield. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm just thinking about those, those insurmountable things, both internally and externally, that actually yeah. that that are needful. Yeah. The, the symbol that literally I can never get over is the single cloth that binds us together for the whole triduum. Hmm. The cloth, uh, and w- which we actually in the liturgies themselves uh, pay attention to, the altar cloth. Oh. Because in the Last Supper we have the the we need a cloth for the for the Passover celebration done in a unique way before it was actually supposed to take place. So we have the so here we have a cloth that that they lay on the table that they they eat the Passover. Then man, the Jesus is arrested right away. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Pretty, and pretty soon. Pretty soon. I mean, like that night. So they're cleaning up. They've yeah. cleaned up, but then. They're like, oh my goodness, he they, they he keeps saying it, but nobody seems to believe him that he's actually going to get arrested and taken. They clearly don't understand because Peter p- cuts off a guy's ear, right? And so then they have to actually bury him. Yeah, and so they're looking for cloth. Cloth is expensive; it takes a lot of cloth time to expensive. make in the ancient world. And yeah, here, so then they are like, what do we have? And they, mm. man, they have very little because they, they're they're in a they're they're not in their native place. No. So somebody's in their they they got their backpack and they yeah. go like well I got the cloth that we used for the for that last supper, they bury oh, him. I've never heard that before. They bury him in in that, and uh-huh. then now all of us so 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 it, it the the last supper becomes the shroud in which he Whoa. is he's buried, Whoa. and then then in this reading itself we see this moment where what happens is the cloths are pointed out. Yeah, they are. The cloth's pointed out. It, yeah. It's rolled up, and and now actually, all of a sudden, we see this as this evidence of the resurrection. So that, wow. so it's like, I, and in the liturgies themselves, I'm always just seeing. And he how, keeps repeating burial clause is, is repeated three times in those few lines. Right, burial clause, burial clause, burial clause, and you just say, well, where would he get them? Okay, wow. well, it, because at the center of this is is this idea this this physical reality that links us through all three of the these 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 liturgies the wow. single liturgy that we're we're the going single liturgy yeah that, that then we get to resurrect and we get to say ah oh, okay now mm. now we're we're set we actually are going to be able to enjoy that same meal and and we actually treat with reverence those same cloths that wow. we we take through the three liturgies 
That is cool. The single liturgy. I've never heard that before. Yeah. The single liturgy. That's very cool. Hmm. So, um, I, you hmm. guys, we love you. Um, uh, blessed Triduum to you. And uh, we hope that this has prepared you in some small way to be able to enter into these mysteries. They're like, I, I, uh, on Palm Sunday, you had a baby, but one of the things that I, I was I saying, always have a baby. Yeah, I know. That's not just for that day. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, one of the things is like, this is the single most important moment in all of history. Yeah, that's absolutely it. And so we celebrate it and, and we can't take it all in at once, but we like what, what Scott said, he, he sees this stone mm. and this, who will roll back the stone for us? Mm. And going anyway, it's like a way to enter in. It's like this cloth that always helps me to enter in. It's these little tiny details. I mean, the crown of thorns, I mean, for the French people, yeah. is going to be such an important, I mean, for the world, actually, in a certain sense, it's like this kind of revelation of the, the existence of the crown of thorns. A lot of people probably didn't even know or recognize that the reality of that. I saw this thing floating around that isn't it interesting, despite the circumstances, that in 2019, the crown of thorns is front page news during Holy Week. It's pretty epic. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Right? It could be a sign of the end of the world. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, thanks for the Peter. Thanks for that. <laughs> Hopefully it's Easter because everybody's like have got, has Hopefully. gone to confession and oh, yeah. everybody's celebrating the fact that Jesus is risen. And he's like, me, I, well, I'm like really, really risen. Ready risen. to go. Really, really, really risen. Really, really, really risen. Okay. All right. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Oh, can we say that yet? I'm just going to say it. We'll but see you next blessed time. Tritium. Blessed Triduum. Tritium. Do you tritium. know how many people say Tritium? I can imagine. Like, like nuclear. Yeah, it's like... Nuclear. It's, nuclear. it's making me happy. Teneberry. Teneberry. All right. We'll see you on Easter, everybody. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash A-I-C-T. You can find the Lanky Guys at lankyguys.org, and you can send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.